Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel text that we will hear on a Sunday. And of course, this Sunday being the fourth Sunday of Advent, we have the opportunity to take up this very rich text that comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. In those verses, I tell you what, my friends, do you have some very, very rich Marian typology? Uh, what do I mean by that phrase? Marian what? <laughs> what typology? Marian typology. Remember what the word typology means, huh? What does it sound like? But the study of types. What is a type? Well, in sacred scripture, a type is a person, a place, thing, or institution that prefigures Christ and the fulfillment of the Old Testament, huh? So all throughout the Old Testament, as we've discussed on so many occasions, you have all of these wonderful uh, patriarchs and prophets that prefigure Christ. Now, this is why Paul in Romans 5.14 says what Adam is a type of Christ, in that just as we inherited death through Adam, so we inherit life through Christ. This principle was so important that we actually have Jesus himself teaching on it, huh? Remember what we hear in John chapter 5, verses 39 and following, when our Lord says, you search the scriptures because in them they bear witness to me. Well, there was no New Testament scripture, my friends, at the time of Christ. He's talking about the Old Testament, huh? Now how about the road to Emmaus, where he's talking about how he is a new Moses, how about Philip uh, evangelizing Nathaniel, telling Nathaniel that he has found who? The fulfillment to the law of Moses in Jesus of Nazareth. So you see typology everywhere. The word itself, type, comes from the Greek typus, which best translates as a pattern or impression. Huh? Pattern or impression. Maybe when you hear the word type, you think of the word typewriter. Why do we call this mechanism that takes a still letter and impresses it upon a canvas a typewriter? Well, because it leaves an impression, right? It leaves the pattern of the letter. Hence, we call it a typewriter. My dear friends, in the Old Testament, one patriarch after another, one prophet after another, we have types, figures who leave an impression, who leave a pattern of the one who is to come in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, as any study of sacred scripture reveals, typology is never to be reduced to the person of Jesus Christ, but should also include the likes of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And let me first say, before we get into the reading itself, that Luke's gospel tells us more about the mother of Jesus than any other book in the New Testament. You know, most of this information is packed within his first two chapters, where Luke strings together some of the most beautiful traditions we have about her life and mission. The deeper, my friends, we go into Luke's narrative, 
the more we begin to appreciate the way in which Luke tells us the story of Mary. One example of this is found in the story that we will treat this evening, the visitation. On one level, the visitation tells of a joyous encounter between two expectant mothers, huh? On another, it recalls memorable stories told in the Old Testament about the Ark of the Covenant. By alluding to these ancient traditions, my dear friends, what does Luke do but expands the vision of the careful reader considerably? For he leads us to see Mary as the Ark of God's Covenant and implies, at the very least, that the sacred Ark of the Old Covenant merely prefigured, merely was a type of a more wonderful Ark to come, the Mother of the Divine Messiah. Remember what Ark of the Old Covenant was all about, but holding the presence of God. And what was in the Ark of the Old Covenant, by the way? Huh? But the manna, Aaron's rod, and of course... The Ten Commandments. And in Mary, we have a new ark carrying within her the incarnate Son, the presence of God. Now, that being said, let us engage this gospel text. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Amen to that. Now, I've set this program up as a study of Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant. But before we engage in our treatment of Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant, let us consider some other personages that prefigure Mary that we were made to consider from this gospel. If you're to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 41, we read, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the child leaped in her womb. Here, Elizabeth's experience parallels who? But that of Rebekah in Genesis 25. Both Luke and the Greek Old Testament use the same verb, skirtal, skirtal, to describe children leaping, or we can also say stirring in the womb. As Rebecca's experience in Genesis chapter 25, verses 22 to 23, signaled the preeminence of Jacob over his older brother Esau, so here, my dear friends, the similar experience of Elizabeth was a sign that Jesus would be greater than his older cousin, John. Do you see that seamlessness, if you will? Do you see that intelligible coordination that one discovers when you carefully read the old in light of the new and the new in light of the old? My dear friends, this is what we call biblical theology, and it's fun. It is fun to see how God works in salvation history, how he helps us to better understand that wonderful coordination once we begin to apply the right biblical principles. How about verse 42? Blessed are you. Here, Elizabeth blesses Mary with words 
once spoken to who but Jael and Judith in the Old Testament? Huh? These women were what? But blessed for their heroic faith and courage in warding off enemies hostile to Israel. Victory was assured when both Jael and Judith assassinated the opposing military commanders with a mortal blow to the head. Mary will follow in their footsteps, yet in her case, both the enemy destroyed and the victory won will be so much greater. Why? Because, of course, she will bear the Savior who crushes the head of sin, death, and the devil underfoot. Remember the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel that comes to us in Genesis 3.15, the first promise that God will come riding in and save the day, huh? There in Genesis 3.15, we read of the Savior crushing the head of sin, death, with devil underfoot. Huh? Oh, by the way, most Bibles have in their footnotes some sort of commentary to what I'm talking about right now, and if they don't have a commentary, then at the very least, they'll have some scriptures that'll have you going back into the Old Testament and reading about what um, we're talking about now. Okay, so with that, what can we say about Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant? Off the top, I alluded to uh, two traditions which help us better understand Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant. The first tradition that Luke draws upon is from 2 Samuel. It would appear that Luke intentionally sets up the subtle but significant parallels between Mary's visitation with Elizabeth and David's efforts to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem narrated in 2 Samuel 6. So when Luke tells us that Mary arose and went into the Judean hill country to visit her kinswoman in Luke chapter 1 verse 39, he reminds us of what? How David, quote-unquote, arose and went into the same region centuries earlier to retrieve the ark in 2 Samuel 6, verse 2. Upon Mary's arrival, Elizabeth is struck by that same sense of awe and unworthiness before Mary that David felt standing before the ark of the covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. Parallels continue as the joy surrounding this great encounter causes the infant John to what? Well, what did we just talk about? But leap with excitement in the womb of Elizabeth, much as David danced with excitement before the ark in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. Finally, drawing from this, this tradition that comes to us from 2 Samuel, Luke adds that Mary stayed in the house of Zechariah for how long? But three months, huh? And Luke chapter 1, verse 40, and verse 56, Luke speaks of three months. And of course, this recalls how the Ark of the Old Covenant was temporarily stationed in the house of Obadidim for a waiting period of how long but three months in 2 Samuel 6, verse 11. My dear friends, taken together, these parallels begin to show us that Mary now assumes a role in salvation history that was once played by the Ark of the Covenant, the Old Covenant. Like this golden chest, Luke wants us to see that she is a sacred vessel where the Lord's presence dwells intimately with his people.
Now, it just doesn't stop there, because again, Luke also draws upon a second tradition from the book of Chronicles. I know I'm sitting here in a studio, but I'm going to say it anyways. How many of you, by a show of hands, have spent some time recently with the book of Chronicles, the first and second book of Chronicles? Well, do so, because there are some fascinating insights to gain from what many might just assume to be a very boring book. Oh, brothers and sisters, it is the Word of God. There's always insight to be gained. Now, as it relates to a consideration of Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant in light of Chronicles, the book of Chronicles, well, this time he brings into his story a highly significant expression once connected with the Ark. The term shows up in Luke 142, where Elizabeth bursts out with an exuberant cry at the arrival of Mary and her child. Although the Greek verb translated as exclaimed seems ordinary enough, it is hardly ever used in the Bible. In fact, it is found only here in the entire New Testament. Its presence in the Greek Old Testament is likewise sparse, appearing only five times. Why is this important? Because every time the expression is used in the Old Testament, it forms part of the stories surrounding what? But the Ark of the Old Covenant. In particular, what you find is how it refers to the melodic sounds made by Levitical singers and musicians when they glorify the Lord in song. It thus describes the exulting voice of instruments that were played before the ark as David carried it in procession to Jerusalem and as Solomon transferred the ark to its final resting place in the temple. Luke, alluding to these episodes, one can conclude that Luke wishes to connect this same expression with the cry of melody to another Levitical descendant the aged Elizabeth, huh? where she too lifts up her voice in liturgical praise, not before the golden chest, but before Mary. What's most fascinating here, my friends, is that it is clear that Luke's remarkable familiarity with these ancient stories enables him to select even a single word that will whisper to his readers that this young mother of the Messiah is the new ark of the new covenant. For the reader, with eyes to see and ears to hear, Luke has given us a vision of the Blessed Virgin Mary that becomes ever more glorious the deeper we dig into the Scriptures, huh? Our ability to see Mary as He did depends on, well, what have we been talking about? But a knowledge of the Old Testament, and of course, in part, also, on our sensitivity to Luke's skillful use of it. We ought to see, my dear friends, how Luke, by choosing his words and phrases carefully, is able to weave various strands of biblical tradition into his narrative, adding beauty and depth to his already elegant prose, to his already uh, skillful writing. Little wonder that the church's liturgical and theological traditions have so often described Mary as we have just spoken about her, as the Ark of the New Covenant. This vision, my dear friends, is not some fruit 
of uh, mystical speculation from some later age. It is something that is embedded within the very infancy narrative of Luke's gospel. Now, what more could be said about this very rich passage as it is applied practically, huh? Because there is much insight to be gained beyond this wonderful study of Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant when it comes to this passage. What I mean? Well, let us think about this now. When you look at Mary and Elizabeth, what do you see when you read it carefully? That any element of personal agenda of Mary and Elizabeth was put aside, huh? I mean, both had good reason to be very preoccupied with their pregnancies and all that new life might bring, huh? Both women had a right to focus on themselves for a while as they made new and radical adjustments to their daily lives. And yet, and yet, what does Mary do? Not thinking about herself, she reaches out to her kinswoman to help her and also to be helped by her. To be humble enough to see that there is someone else out there that she needs to go and visit, and at the same time, to be humble enough to be served by her. These two great biblical women did so much for each other. They consoled each other. Certainly, they shared their stories. They gave each other the gift of themselves in the midst of the new life that they must have experienced. Elizabeth after her long years of, of barrenness and now sudden pregnancy, and Mary, of course, after her meeting with the heavenly messenger and her quote-unquote irregular marriage situation and pregnancy. Always thinking about other, huh? How about Mary's quick response and movement? What does Luke say? What did we already talk about? That she undertook in haste, in haste, the long and perilous trek from Nazareth to a village in the hill country of Judea. She knew clearly what she wanted and did not allow anyone or anything to stop her. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how many times has God nudged us and we allowed someone or something to get in our way? Did we first consult our Lord? Did we possess that disposition that will allow us to undertake our own mission? These are the kinds of questions, my dear friends, I think we need to be thinking about in light of this very rich narrative. I'm looking down at uh, St. Ambrose of Milan, one of the great Christian thinkers, and he describes Mary's haste, this is interesting, as the grace of the Holy Spirit that does not know delayed efforts or delayed efforts that are foreign to the grace of the Holy Spirit. What are we made to see here? Mary's free choice to move forward and outward reflects a decision taken up deep within her heart, followed by immediate action, action that was caught up in God's grace. Now, it's interesting to point out something here, my friends. The phrase, let it be to me, that we read in what? Luke chapter 1, verse 38 is not passive. It sounds passive. Let it be to me. The Greek denotes a desire to do God's will. Huh? So what does she possess? 
this interior attitude of faith, which speaks to what? But this disposition in which she desired to do God's will. So full of grace, huh? full of grace, she was not delayed, but she moved forward and outward because she possessed this great faith, this great interior attitude of faith. I mean, my friends, how many of us procrastinate? How many things exist in our lives that we dreamed of doing, should have done or never did? Maybe letters or emails that should have been written, dreams that should have been realized, gratitude that was not expressed, affection never shown, words that should have been spoken, so on and so on. Postponements and delays weigh heavily upon us, wear us down, discourage us. They gnaw away at us. Let us not procrastinate. Let us never say, I almost did this or I almost did that. I wished I did this. I wish I did that. No. Let us learn from Mary's response, where once again, in haste, she arose and went. I mean, the story of the visitation teaches us so many lessons. At the very least, let us appreciate that overarching lesson that when Christ is growing inside of us, we will be led to people. We will be led to places. We will be led to situations that we never dreamed of. By the way, my friends, this is why the Christian faith is so exciting. Let it never be said that Christianity is born because when you do God's will, be rest assured, you will be led to people, places, and situations that you never dreamed of. We are called to bear words of consolation and hope that are not our own, like that of Mary to Elizabeth and Elizabeth to Mary. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be renewed in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we might adhere to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and do great things in God's grace. God calls us to greatness. Let us be great in His grace. Amen to that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when Mary said, let it be to me, she gives us the shining example of what it means to be disposed to do God's will. What do we pray in the Our Father? What do we pray at the start of every radio program? But the Our Father, which includes that great petition, thy will be done. Let us pray thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. Let me give glory to you in all that I do, like that of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let me hold nothing back. Let me be at the service of other 24-7-365. Let me never regard myself as more important than my neighbor. Let me be an instrument of your peace. And when we do this, be rest assured, our life will be one visitation, if you will, after another, announcing the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, 
Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.